Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Women on Top in India powered by Ladies Who Lead. For most of us, we don't have the time was a frequently heard excuse when it came to working out. However, this changed with the dawn of the pandemic where priorities were put in order. The idea of health has come of paramount importance and the fitness industry realized that there was a need for change too. Traditional gymming and dietary programs have always given the desired results. However, the focus is now on fitness activities that offer more flexibility and freedom to experiment and that are engaging and can be followed consistently despite the hectic daily routines. To share more insights, I have with me today Malika Parikh, a health and wellness expert and the owner of Physique 57 India. a bar based workout that originated in New York and launched in Mumbai in 2018. In this episode, Malika talks about the evolution of the fitness industry, how a workout that was designed for physical interaction was adapted for the online format, and what trends in health tech we can expect to see in the future. So Malika, welcome to the show and thank you for making the time to be here today. Uh, let's start in and please tell us how you got into the health and fitness industry and of course um you know tell us a little bit more about what led you to bring physique 57 uh to india yes absolutely thanks again for having me gori uh so basically i actually come from a long line of healthcare professionals physicians healthcare professionals in my family so biological science has always really interested me and uh i knew i wanted to have a career in healthcare i didn't know exactly what that would look like one of the best pieces of advice i got when i was trying to figure it out actually was your career your future career probably hasn't even been invented yet and i never realized how true that was uh or that could be until until today of course so i always knew it was something about healthcare and the biological science aspect of healthcare that really interested me and intrigued me um and of course the common route was to be a practitioner so to be a doctor or a nurse however as i you know sort of went through my graduate studies my undergrad education graduate studies and had some work experience i you know i i the healthcare industry was evolving really drastically in the us and it opened up a number of different types of career paths that one could have in healthcare so that's kind of how i how i got into the healthcare space to begin with then just how did that sort of uh, end up with physique uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> so i always had i mean i you know my my roots are in this country my fat my extended family lives in this country i came here every year going, growing up so i was very connected to india and i i knew that i always knew that i wanted to do something meaningful in the healthcare space in india at some point in my career mm-hmm. um i mean a series of short stories led me to sort of founding valiance healthcare which was designed and is designed to be sort of disease focused so specialty focused healthcare within the healthcare services sector so breaking healthcare down into specialties that uh, that and centers that don't really feel intimidating for people because they're so focused or or uh, specialty focused along my journey in um in sort of exploring the healthcare market i came across so many people particularly women who were interested and excited about fitness but did not necessarily have options that they felt safe with or not intimidated by um in the fitness space so lots of you know the boot camp culture was very popular going to the gym which were you know very male uh dominated settings and environments mm-hmm. were often 
intimidating to a lot of women, even though they were very excited to get fit, stay fit, and they knew the importance of fitness. I mean, that was sort of really coming about in terms of awareness when I started to come to this country for work in, in around mm -hmm. 2000, 2012, you know, onwards. So, um, so I, Physique 57 was something I did in New York. What is so unique about it is that it really was designed by the founders for women, for a woman's body. And I felt like while there were many fitness options that were sort of coming about in the, in the healthcare space in India, um, there weren't so many options that were directed towards women that were designed for the woman's body. And so that uh, sort of presented an opportunity, I thought, uh, within the market to bring this brand here. And so, uh, like you mentioned, you know, it was an existing brand in the U.S. And um, you, uh, I believe, have a franchise for it, um, Pan India. So what's your experience been with, um, you know, starting a franchise and, uh, was there a reason that you didn't just consider creating your own brand, um, you know, which was sort of customized for, um, you know, the Indian market? Yeah, this is a question I get a lot. So and I think it's a very, very uh, important one, a very relevant one. So I'll start by saying I am developing my own brand, mm -hmm. something you, you know, you touched on. And, and that is the long the long goal, uh, the long game, I should say, for me, that is sort of the dream for me is to build a healthcare brand in this country that is you know, targeted and relevant for this audience. That being said, that brand that I'm building is much more focused on health services and, and disease management and health management. So that aside, the, the thing with Physique 57 is that is and, and what intrigued me so much about it and what excited me about it was the science behind the method. And that could not that there's no knocking that off there was no there was no knockoff that would be credible enough trustworthy enough safe enough and effective enough to bring to the indian market and i didn't see the sense in uh, in sort of reinventing the wheel when so much work and so much thought had gone into developing this method that was so you know clearly credible trustworthy backed by science verified um, I, I didn't see the need in, in reinventing the wheel. So while many people encouraged me to, you know, just sort of hire your trainers and train them and nobody will know the difference. I would know the difference. I know the science behind it. I understood the science behind it. I, I got the importance of that uh, and the safety aspect of fitness, which I really think is is was lacking when I, you know, when I when I brought this here. Um, and so I just I just felt like why? Why try and copy it when you can just, you know, try and talk to the company about bringing that brand here? Right. And and as you mentioned right now, you know, it did have a it, it had a strong brand. And so, you know, for a lot of people who are familiar with the brand, I mean, you know, that was that brought a lot of credibility to I'm sure to what you were doing. Um, but you you launched the brand in Mumbai and uh, with classes at the Four Seasons when it first started out. Um, and I've been a huge fan of the brand, you know, um, from the beginning. And well, I have to admit, it took me a little while to to get going and to muster up the courage to uh, enter that that studio. But um, you know, ever since I did, I was totally addicted to the experience. And um, it, I think, it was of course the fact that it was a great workout and you know felt great was one part of it. But it was also, um, it, it, you know, it was a luxury workout. And uh, and and for me, that was something that was sort of the unique aspect of it that I loved. What are the pros and cons of running 
a premium fitness brand in India. I mean, it did come at a certain classes were at a certain price point. You know, of course, the location is is as sort of luxury as it gets. So, what are the pros and cons of of launching a brand um, in that space? Yeah, fair question. So, I think pros. I mean, I'll start with the pros. The pros were, of course, the fact that it was it was new, it was novel, it was not only was the you know a, a workout based on a bar philosophy novel. Uh, but also the fact that it is this concept of boutique fitness, which was also new um, at the time when you know when I brought the brand here, it wasn't necessarily something that was very well understood. This concept of boutique fitness, doing something in a studio and doing it really well, um, and so so I think that that aspect of novelty actually really was an advantage, was a pro. It, it gave us a lot of momentum. Something that was targeted again towards women. Something that that women felt safe in and felt comfortable in and empowered in. And then of course, you know, investing in the setting that we did actually made a lot of sense to us because we said, okay, we're asking our clients to invest in themselves. We want to give them this atmosphere that sort of motivates them to do that. So these were some of the pros. I think, you know, cons like with everything else, I mean, as much as the brand was established and, you know, it's been around since 2006 in the U.S. So it was an established brand by 2015, well established in the U.S. At the end of the day, you know, context is everything. And our target market was different. And paying attention to those signals, paying attention to my clients feedback, understanding what it is that, you know, what, what would work for them. I wouldn't say it's so much a con. It was just something that really it didn't give us momentum as quickly as we would have liked, because it's not something that it didn't matter whether people had heard of it or not. At the end of the day, it didn't matter whether it was international or not. It didn't matter that it was verified by some of the top experts in the world or not. What mattered was what it was going to do for them and whether that was accessible to them. And so accessibility comes in all different forms, right? There's price point, there's distance, proximity. And when it comes to fitness, you know, convenience is everything. And so, and, and this whole concept of, you know, investing in your health and paying a certain premium for this type of fitness was not necessarily something pre-COVID that people were so ready to do. I think the post-COVID-19 environment or the, you know, the post, uh, the, yeah, let's call it the post-environment, I think... Um, I think that people are much more, of course, much more aware, much more willing and ready to invest. And, and it's, a, it's a completely different setting now. It's a completely different industry now. But when we started, these were some of the challenges that we faced. Right. I mean, um, we will come to talk a little bit more about the sort of post pandemic situation. But I have to say that I I really, you know, I think it's in, it's commendable because what you're saying is that it isn't just about the workout, which in itself you knew was effective. And, you know, you you knew that people had to try it out to realize that for themselves. Uh, but also, I think the setting you know, it's not just about the workout, but it's about that overall feeling. And um, and I think you did that exceptionally well. Um, and, and, you know, I'm actually sort of now coming to talk a little bit about the pandemic. Um, the flip side is that you had to pivot your business model from offline to online. How were you able to manage that premiumness of the brand that you had created in the offline space um, when you switched uh, the experience to a digital format? Yeah, I think most probably the most relevant question of, you know, of the evening. 
So, I, I mean, obviously what we've been through was sort of, it was like, it's been like a great equalizer, you know, of sorts, right, for all of us, I think, across industries. Um, and I think one of the things that actually helped was that we were not in it alone. And when I say that, I mean the fitness industry and then, of course, as you know, all other industries. Um, so we there was a lot of idea sharing. All of a sudden, fitness brands were communicating globally. Our global team started communicating a lot more. We were communicating with other fitness brands a lot more all over Asia, all over Europe, Australia, the U.S. So, so these things really helped in terms of making sure that we did everything we could to maintain quality. And then, you know, it was just, it came down to client experience. So anything that we could invest in to improve music quality, to improve sound quality, you know, whether it was investing in gadgets for our trainers or why upgrading their Wi-Fi at home, whatever we could do to improve the experience, to make sure that clients felt as though we were putting our best foot forward the same way we would in the studio, uh, we did. And, and then it came down to client servicing as well. So increased touch points, more communication, making sure people still felt that sense of community, uh, you know, WhatsApp uh, outreach and email outreach, and then just phone calls and forming groups with people that we knew, you know, sort of took, took their classes together. All of these things, these aspects of community that we were missing is what we tried to bring to the online universe. So it wasn't just about, and of course our trainers you know, spent night and day and bent over backwards, retraining themselves basically to to train online and to show people alignment and form and explain them and do the workout and, you know, everything that they were doing online. It, it was twice as hard to deliver an online class, I think, for our trainers than than in the studio. I think any of them would unanimously agree. And I, and I give them, you know, so, so much credit for being able to do that. But in addition to that, of course, there was all of the experience related stuff, which we, we tried to do. And it was tough. We did the best we could, but it was, it was tough. And we got ideas from, you know, our global partners and, and, and competitors, to be honest, just became a community for us. I, I mean, I, I did a few of the classes and um, I completely vouch for the fact that they did an exceptional job uh, in not being sort of, I was equally, uh, you know, dead by the end of my online workout as I was by, um, you know, the offline one. So, uh, and, you know, they were completely on top of, you know, where I was sort of doing things right or wrong. And, and, and so it was it, it definitely was effective doing it online as well. Uh, but I guess the sort of the, 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 the good side of this was that you now had a pan-India presence as opposed to um, a very localized, um, you know, geographically localized uh, presence in Bombay. So how did that kind of work out for you? Did you see yourself um, now reaching out to more people, you know, maybe not just pan-India, but, you know, even even beyond that? Absolutely. I think I think in that way, um, you know, we were blessed in, in the situation to be able to then have the reach that we could, uh, given given the nature of our of our industry and our service. So I think it was great. And, you know, what it saved us time on is when we eventually get back into scaling the business and we eventually get back into offline operations, it allowed us to test different markets. So now right. we know where we have a following. We know where they would want a physique 57 studio we also know where they probably would not go to a physique 57 studio but they're just doing classes because they're available online so mm -hmm. it's given us so much information uh, on the back end uh, of, of our operations to be able to understand our business and understand what our next step is 
And of course, just the reach and getting the brand out there and bringing this experience Pan India has been so fulfilling, I think, for our entire team. Do you see it now being a hybrid model that you follow going forward? Absolutely. I, I think it would be silly for, you know, for fitness brands to think that we can just, after everything we've been through, to think that we can just survive uh, in the offline space. I mean, everybody's pivoting towards omni-channel. And, uh, and we're in fact building on our omni-channel services. So right now the focus has been for the last year and a half, live, you know, online experience. We will eventually get back offline and we will open up our studios and we will open more studios. For the online universe, we're also going to add video on demand. So there's a certain accountability that comes with a live class. You know, the trainer's there, you can't pause. You've got to keep up. You've got you. You see your friends with you, or your you know your classmates with you, and you, there's a certain amount of accountability that comes with that. There's also a certain amount of convenience and accessibility that comes with just anytime, anywhere. So if I have 15 minutes in my day and I want to turn on physique, you know, physique 57 on demand, video on demand, I can do that. So we're building on that aspect of the business, in fact, um, to sort of round things out. And I'm guessing this is happening across uh, the physique sort of uh, the you know the the physique family across the globe. That it's it's is it is it shifting to um, you know to this hybrid situation and maybe you know and I I know you guys have like now by the way for those of you who don't know 57 is because it's a 57 minute workout um, but I know that you also now do shorter workouts so is this sort of all an evolution of strategy going forward to kind of uh, recognize that people might have these shorter bursts of time and, you know, they still want to do, you know, some aspect of this workout, you know, but keeping in mind certain limitations of, of time. So is this something that's kind of happening across physique as a, as a brand? Yeah. So I'll, I'll say that every market is different and mm -hmm. the, the, the virtual fatigue has really, and, you know, we think we're exhausted. I mean, I would say that some of the other markets that physique is in, they're just done and they and they're much more open right like the, their covid situations have been different their vaccines uh scenarios have been different their opportunities have been different in terms of the fitness space so every market is different however overall physique 57 as a brand is definitely i mean the virtual experience the live virtual experience is here to stay i would say for all of our studios for all of our markets um it just it's just a matter of how our clients are responding to that over here it just so happened that given the fact that we were, as you said, in a single city and now we're able to reach out to the whole country, it's really benefited our business in a very unique way. So now people feel like they can access it when they want to, when they need to, um, when it's convenient to them much more. And so uh, so I'll say it's, it's happening globally, but but we are very focused on on remaining on omni-channel for sure. Right. And, and so again, you know, when 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 coming back to the point of a franchise business, sometimes you know you have to tailor make the the the, the business the strategy to the yeah. local market that you're present in. So um, absolutely, definitely very interesting. But tell me how this sort of change in strategy from a pure offline to now a hybrid model has impacted your marketing and branding efforts. I mean, you touched upon. Um, use, using sort of WhatsApp and email and, you know, all of that earlier. So can you sort of talk about that in a little more detail? Yeah. So I think just in terms of the target audience first, okay, we were initially it was, you know, let's just try and get everybody in Bombay to try it. Like at some point, everyone in Bombay should try it. This allowed us to take a step back and say, okay, we are actually a brand developed by women for women. 
men can do it. Men love it. Men do do it. They love it. But why shy away from that? Why? I mean, why, why, why step away from the fact that we are targeted for women? Mm -hmm. And then we have a certain, you know, range, a certain demographic that is sort of, they're, they're much, they're much more likely to try a class and they're also much more likely to stick with the method. They're much more likely to incorporate it in their lives. And so I think what, what this has allowed us to do is take this approach where we said, just come one, come all and say, okay, let's look at all the cities that we, that we can offer our services to, which is everywhere in India. And let's look at these groups of people that we know are much more likely to try and not just try this workout once, but stick with this workout. So the approach has been, we've been able to hone the demographic a little bit more um, than, uh, than, than before, where we were just trying to figure out who liked it and who, who enjoyed it. Now we have all this online data that tells us who's logging on with what frequency. And uh, even though we're not in person, even though they don't have the studios there, they're still using the service. So this allows us to sort of expand uh, to groups that are much more likely to incorporate this in our in our so you've obviously had to use, you know, yeah. digital marketing, ma marketing to your, um, you know, to its fullest and like all of us. So, you know, it's exactly the same for me as well, where we were very much a restaurant business and dependent on people coming into our, uh, you know, dining space. And then we suddenly grew into, you know, a big delivery business, which didn't have any physical presence other than. Um, you know, and, and only online. So it sounds like a very sort of, like you said, uh, it's, it's happening across industries. And now we're having to rely so much more on digital marketing. So, uh, and, and that's like this whole new world for us, for, for all of us, I'm sure. So is that something that you're really kind of tapping into now and, um, and, and sort of, uh, you know, trying to make the most of? Is what it sounds like. Absolutely, we've added to our marketing resources. We've, you know, and this is across the brand now. This is globally. So uh, we have added to our marketing resources. We've built out our digital marketing teams. We've hired specialists. So we have actually really invested in this aspect of the business because you have to get information from everything that you're doing, and you have to understand what you're spending. And it's a whole different type of spend, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's really important. And it's it's a tool that is available to us that is so important and 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 gives us so much color in terms of how to grow our business. So uh, so yeah, I, I we are definitely expanding our digital marketing efforts and paying attention to a whole different set of metrics, as you know, um, which is has just come to the forefront and become much more important to our business much sooner than I anticipated. You know, I thought we would be focused on studio footfalls for a few years before we started to really get into all of this. And obviously that's, that's not the case. No, I think that's the same story for all of us. Um, and I tell me, like, does it, does it now uh, really help that you have this, you know, it's a very niche workout. It's not something that you come across in every sort of gym and every studio that, you know, you have access to even physically. So now that you are going online and this, you know, the whole uh, post-pandemic uh, awareness of health, fitness, wellness um, is so much higher. And that's also, you know, made the um, this industry a lot more saturated because there's so much more available online. So do you feel that having a niche workout has really helped in that sense to make you sort of stand out from from everything else that's out there? I think so. I, you know, at the end of the day, so it's allowed us to also, so we talked about the women aspect. We also, we haven't touched on the bar aspect of the workout. Right. And it's, it's interesting because it's a bar-based workout, 
but we don't have the bars at home. So for exactly. a year and a half, we were sort of fumbling and saying, okay, well, how are we a bar-based workout if we don't have the bar experience at home? How do we reorient ourselves um, to, to communicate with our audience that actually we touch on cardio, strength training, stretching, you get everything in the 57 minutes. So it's a little bit of trying to figure out, you know, how to deliver communication in terms of, in terms of what we do. Um, and the fact that we actually are a comprehensive workout and a comprehensive fitness method. That being said, and, and so I stand by the fact that I, you know, any level, any, any, at any stage of life that you're in, whether you're injured, whether you're pregnant, um, and then at any fitness level that you're at, you can still do this workout. So in that sense, it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. It is, however, niche. It's a higher price point, as you mentioned. Um, it's it's a more of a premium experience because our trainers are so extensively trained and put so much into the delivery of, of the service. Um, and I think that in the long run, I back the science, right? Like the science speaks for itself and it works. It's been verified by so many of the, again, the top specialists in the world, which didn't matter before COVID, nobody cared, but now it matters. I mean, there are so many things that people are doing to get fit that are unsafe, period, for the Indian body, for the Indian female body. And, uh, and so I back the science, like it's, it's yes, is it is it boutique? Yes, is it premium? Yes, is it slightly niche? Yes, but it works, it's effective. And we're just, we're so we're just, you know, we often have this conversation, we're just going to stay in our lane, and, and stick to it as best as we can and do what we know how to do best. Yeah. And again, I mean, just drawing an analogy with what we do in our business, which is exactly the same thing. We were niche, we were sort of slightly different. And we were premium when we started out 10 years ago. But I completely agree with you. It's really about sort of uh, if you really do believe in it, which clearly you do, um, you know, in the effectiveness of the of the, the product in this case, um, uh, I I completely agree with you that it's so important to uh, you know to to stick to that and and um, you know uh, it it may take a little longer, um, but but it's it's it, it's so important to do that if you do genuinely believe in the effectiveness of um, you know of the outcome. So. You're just just talking a little bit, coming back to talk about the industry at large, um, you know, uh, what are you seeing sort of happen in the future? And, you know, are there any trends um, that you're seeing in, in the fitness space that um, that you're excited by? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I mean, you know, we, we've discussed how the we've discussed how it's a slightly saturated. It seems like a slightly saturated yeah. market. There are a lot of brands that are sort of cropping up during this time, given what's going on. I still think there's so much potential and there's so much room to grow. Um, and that's because I think that as as consumers, healthcare consumers become more aware of what's out there, they're going to look for credibility. They're going to look for trustworthiness. They're going to become much more aware about the credibility and the trustworthiness of their sources. They're going to look for brands that are privacy friendly. They're going to look for brands that are judgment free. And, uh, and so I think that, um, and they're, they're going to look for brands that sort of both in the health and fitness space really put them and their needs first and make, make the user sort of feel like they are in control of their own journeys and that those journeys are individual. And so, uh, so I think that while there are many brands coming up, I think that there are huge opportunities uh, within the space. I also think this, you know, and I, I've touched on it so many times, but, and it's not just about two genders, but multiple, I mean, I think 
that there is a huge opportunity for brands that acknowledge that their healthcare is gender specific and um, and viewing it as through a single dimensional lens is really uh, it's myopic at this point. I mean, I think that and, and, I, and that's where sort of the judgment free, the privacy, the openness comes in. I mean, we have to acknowledge that things have changed and we have to address health and fitness accordingly. And so, you know, things that may work for certain genders may not work for others. And I think that there's a huge opportunity uh, for gender focused healthcare. Which is very brave of you to say that today because, you know, everyone says that it should be sort of, you know, gender fluid and it should be, you know, for everyone and everything should be for everyone. So I think that that's incredible. That it, but I have seen men at the studio and, um, you know, so. <laughs> and as long as they acknowledge that it, it may benefit certain functions differently than it benefits, you know, other genders, then I think that we're okay. But Treating health and fitness through a single lens, of course, gender, it, it sh everything that is applicable to one should be applicable to others. I always say, um, you know, that women can do everything that men can do. For example, just taking these two genders into account for a minute. I, I always say women can do anything men can do, but women do a lot of things that men can't do. Women's bodies do a lot of things that men can't do and vice versa. But, you know, we have a lot of physiological functions that we're able to do, and we need to cater to those functions. And right. those play different roles. It's not just about our reproductive years. Those mm -hmm. body parts play different roles at different parts of our lives. And so keeping those uh, areas and supporting areas around our core fit and strong throughout our lives, throughout the aging process, um, past, you know, re our reproductive years into perimenopause, is really important. And uh, and so I think that there are huge opportunities. Um, you know, we have our target audience, which is people who are young and fit and excited about fitness, but that's not necessarily the, the end goal for us. We want people to know that fitness is something that you need to be able to do sustainably throughout your lives, something that can really, uh, that you can grow with and that you can grow age gracefully with. And so these are sort of some of our our end goals, and I think some of the opportunities within the health and fitness market. Can you uh, tell us anything about what's coming up with the product that you're developing um, parallelly, or is that too early? Sure, to it's early. It's early, but I would, I mean, no, no better platform than to chat about it with you. So, uh, so thanks for asking. Um, it's called Fluent Health, and the idea again is total privacy, no judgment, clear answers. That's sort of the the, the concept uh, behind the brand. Um, it will be a uh, an online app first. So the plan is for it to be an app catered towards women's health and women's health issues. So whether it's wellness, whether it's disease management, uh, the first part of our product will focus on really getting patients and or consumers organized about their health. So places where they can store their medical records and then make sense of their medical records. So content that sort of is derived from their medical history, their family history, their conditions, their medical records, um, a lot of technology involved that you know even goes over my head when it comes to how to deliver that on the back end. But we're having it developed by some brilliant people around the world um, who, who, uh, who really understand how to do these things from a technology perspective. And then, you know, we uh, like to think that we're bringing the, the human the human side of healthcare sort of back to women and putting healthcare back 
in in the patient's hands and in, in control of uh, for women. So that's Amazing. that's a little bit about it. <laughs> well, anything that can can organize my medical records, I'll be a fan of. So um, and not well, just that, but but maybe give you some some insight, right? Like give you yeah. some without having to chat with the doctor right away you find out that two things in your health history are connected that you may not have even known. That's actually really useful information for you and how you live your life. So those are the types of things that will come in uh, in our sort of first uh, first version of things. Eventually it will expand into services. So we will also have uh, virtual services and then you know someday the dream is offline as well. So everything is, the end goal is always omni-channel, but it will start online and it will start with organization, control, information, and, you know, privacy and no judgment. Oh, amazing. Um, Malika, uh, congratulations on everything you've done so far. And of course, for what's uh, yet to come. And uh, thank you again for making the time. This was- and to you and to, you know, pivoting yourself in, in all of your efforts and all of your ventures. <laughs> uh, I know it's just been an impossible time, but I, I feel honestly so... Uh, bonded with entrepreneurs at this at this moment more you know more than ever so we've been very fortunate that way amazing well good luck and and thank you again thanks so much Corey. thanks for having me today's episode was such a great insight for me too into how the fitness and hospitality industries both had a similar learning curve I'm personally a client of Physique 57 in Mumbai, and I've seen how the space and the brand has evolved over the years, including an improved location, new workout formats, and overall community building. So the one thing I took away from this conversation is that there's no end point to being better. There's always room to raise the bar.